There we go. All right, we'll get started <clears throat> in three, two, one. Well, welcome to the Valley Hoops Insider podcast, part of the Valley Hoops Insider website. I'm Harry Schrader, that dashing, good-looking young man off to the side there is Ryan Ritter. He's the head coach of the UT Martin Skyhawks of the Ohio Valley Conference. And uh, Ryan, I so appreciate you spending time with us today. Um, it's summertime, so it's just the easy time. You're playing a lot of golf. You're not never in the office. Um, I say it as a joke, of course, it, the whole landscape of college basketball has changed dramatically, hasn't it? Even in the last year to 18 months. No doubt. You know, I, I appreciate it because I just got off the golf course. You know, you got me at a good time and I've just been <laughs> kind of hanging out this, this spring. So, um, no, you said it. I mean, the, the, the landscape has changed and, and, you know, a lot of people have uh, opinions on it. But, you know, I think for us, it's just navigating and trying to be efficient in our work. And so, you know, May, um, you know, two, three, five, ten years ago for college coaches look different than it does now. And, you know, I think as your recruiting kind of shifts to the spring uh, because of the transfer portal and because of some different factors, I think all of us coaches are really, um, you know, just trying to figure out how to, you know, at least for my case, trying to trying to be a balanced family man, trying to spend time with my family, but also trying to make sure we're taking care of building a program here. And um, so that's been fun trying to trying to analyze it and trying to figure it out. But um, here we are today and, and excited to talk with you. The brave new world. I wasn't going to ask, start with that question. You have two daughters, Brixton and Remy. Where does Brixton come from? It's a great question. So Brixton, uh, me and my wife were on a, on a honeymoon. It, was, it was, wasn't right after the wedding because clearly college basketball uh, kind of got in the way. But we were out in uh, California in August and we're driving down one of those beach towns and we see this surf shop over there and uh, it says hey Brixton uh, clothing or whatever it may have been and, and my wife said that's a pretty cool name if we have a kid we should we should name him Brixton and sure enough about six months later uh, she gets pregnant and we're like hey remember that name Brixton and uh, so there that's how she got her name from a uh, you know a, a place out in California. Whenever I see interesting names like that I always have to know the story so I appreciate you sharing that with us. Hey, one year down at UT Martin and, uh, uh, you know, after several years, other places, first year in the OVC, what kind of lessons were you learning or did you learn from last season? Well, I think, you know, like any league, you're trying to get your footing. You're trying to understand exactly what wins, what style of play. You know, you want to be um, who you are internally as a coach and, and building a program. But I think you also have to have some flexibility in the way you recruit and, and understand, you know, exactly what wins in this league. And I think, um, you know, for me particularly, this 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 year in the Ohio Valley, um, obviously it's had traditionally really good guards. We can name through a lot of them, but um, the big men this year, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't as much rim runners. It was it was big. You know, KJ Williams, Nick Musinski, Janai Broom, um, guys that could really play with their back to the basket. And so I think for me going forward, that was something that you know I had done my research a little bit, but um, knew the guard play would be really good. But the forwards in this league. Um, we're just a, a notch better than than um, I'm not gonna say that I expected, but seeing them face to face, they're big, they're strong, they're skilled. And then obviously the coaches in this league are top notch. So, um, you know, I think for us, it was it was really good to just understand, hey, how do we get on a bus and go to SEMO? You know, do we take uh, do we go to Eastern Illinois the night before? Do we hit both on the road? So there's so many things that we learned as a program that I think, you know, people take for granted when they've been there two, three, four years. Um, that we're going to look forward to knowing, hey, this is where we're eating. This is what we're doing. This is what we're traveling to. This is how we do our prep going into next year. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that we had a chance to take away. You, you talk about figuring those things out, but you have a top-notch uh, 
coaching staff with you, don't you? I was I was thinking through the guys on your staff and two or three of them have Missouri Valley ties. And, and so I've, I've had, you know, a lot of history in the Missouri Valley Conference. You've got to be very excited going forward with the staff that you have. Yeah, you know, staff dynamics are always very important. And that's one thing that, you know, you got to spend a lot of time analyzing. It's, and it's different for every job. It's different for every coach. And I think as a head coach, you want to challenge yourself to put people around you that that are better than you and can and can bring the most out of you and then also be able to delegate uh, certain items and, and certain um, parts of the program to them. So I think, you know, for us, just growing forward, continuity of staff and, and, and bringing, uh, you know, uh, just shoot, bringing eight players back uh, will be huge for us. You know, as of last year, it's funny, I was telling someone we signed 13 guys and, and I had only seen one of them in person. So when they mm. stepped foot on campus in June, you know, these guys we had seen on film, uh, you know, we're literally, hey, this guy looks great. We see him in, in person. It's like, okay, hey, the film, this is what he looked like. Maybe he's a little bigger, maybe he's a little smaller, maybe he's a little stronger. Um, and and so for us, just continuity and, and obviously staff continuity is a big one going forward. Denver Cobb uh, worked, you guys knew each other in, in various places before and he, and he coached with your dad and, and all of that. And at least at one of his places, they called him the defensive coordinator of that program. And some college coaching staffs are going to that kind of mode. Are, are you using Denver that way or is that how your staff is divided up? I'm interested in the makeup and the way you guys interact. Yeah, you know, it's it's a unique, um, like I said, it's unique to everyone, and I think everyone does it differently. At a spot like ours, um, and again, we've got unbelievable administration and leadership, um, but, you know, we still don't have the the resources and the budget at the highest level that some of these guys do. Um, so for us, it's really hard to particularly say, hey, you're the defensive coordinator, and that's what you do. Um, he is a big influence on our on the defensive side of the ball because of his time at Texas Tech with when, when Chris Beard was there. He worked hand-in-hand hand with Mark Adams. Um, also, work, you know, my good friend, Brian Berg, that's now the head coach at Georgia Southern. So when it comes to basketball mentality and specifically defensive side, we absolutely use him in, in a capacity. Um, but, you know, at this point, man, if it's if it's the head coach got to get down and, and uh, you know, wipe the floor or, or clean the bleachers um, or it's, you know, our, our you know, uh, one, two or three assistants have an opportunity to, to make some in-game adjustments. You know, it's really about just putting the best product out there that we can and and being able to come to a uh, you know an agreement as a staff, hey, what's best for this program moving forward? Uh, you talked about roster stability, eight guys coming back, and some new players, and 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 in this day and age, roster stability is like insane. Like, how did you do that? How did you keep eight of them? I know a couple of guys have transferred out. You brought some new ones in, but but your stability is unique to college basketball right now. Yeah, it really is, and and um, you know, I'll just hit it right on the head. I don't I don't think anybody thinks we had a great year in terms of wins and losses you know we we're uh i think we were eight and uh 22 you know obviously we want to be at that top one two or three and and uh, i'm not afraid to say that we built the foundation the right way and i think those guys those eight returners um i think they can see the light at the end of the tunnel that they had to bear a lot of the the, the tough times early on i think they see that, that that the better days are coming um but with those eight guys returning i i think no matter what field you're in basketball uh, you know, religion, business, I think you want to have your employees feel valued. And our student athletes, I think, feel very valued, whether they're the leading scorer, whether the 13th man. And I think we try to create value in each one of their roles. And, you know, ultimately, we're excited about a lot of our guys coming back. And, you know, I'd have to look at this, but I, I think KJ Simon might be the only first team all league guy returning in the OBC. Um, I know there's been a couple transitions and it might be wrong when this thing comes out. But um, so for us, I think it's just creating value, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, and then to bring eight of the, you know, potential 
um, 11 guys that could come back, you know, we, we feel really good about that moving forward. You mentioned KJ, and I wanted to ask you about him. He played for you at Bethune-Cookman and, and came with you there and, and is a returning all-conference guy. How important, I mean, he was your leading scorer last year, so obviously it was very important, but how important was it to have a guy like that on your team a year ago to kind of help the rest of the players understand who you were and what you were going for? Well, you know, it's really unique, Harry, because although he was with us at Bethune-Cookman, you know, we we opted out that year. And oh, so right, he doesn't even play. So we didn't play. So I, I had only coached him really for about three weeks um, in terms of, you know, having my hands on him and being able to coach and teach him. And um, but those three weeks we knew, hey, this guy's got a special gear and he's got a chance to be really good. So um, there was definitely some continuity in terms of at least we had a relationship. But really this year, coaching him on the floor was really last summer was kind of the first time we got a chance to have extended time at it. And I think for his development, obviously, our, our team wasn't where we wanted to be, but he got a chance to to really play through some mistakes and, and ultimately, um, you know, lead us in virtually every category and very deserving of that first team all conference nod. You, you had some guys that really contributed on, and KK Curry had a, was a guy that got some notoriety throughout the season of having some big weeks and so forth. Just talk about your, your returners. And then I want to ask you about some of the new guys as well. Well, I think, you know, I kind of just hit on with KJ, but so many of our guys got to play extended minutes. And I think going forward that that whether they're freshmen to, to sophomores or juniors to seniors, I think the opportunity to play through mistakes and understand, you know, how to how to how does this league work? How does coach want to play? How do we all get better? So, I mean, when you talk about KK Curry, Chris Nix, Kobe Jeffries, those are guys that we think can take you know, really major, major jumps and in, in maybe not statistically, maybe it will be statistically, but just in terms of how do we win at UT Martin? And I know those three guys um, specific are, are really fired up to, to team up with KJ and the rest of our, our group, because I think they had to, you know, look at the end of the game, man, we weren't good enough tonight. We got to strap it up tomorrow. We got to figure out how to be better. And to their credit, they did that um, really from June all the way till March, they gave us everything they had. And I, I feel very good with the character that we're bringing back. And, and obviously, I think you're going to see their game really expand because of all the experiences they had in year one. You, you mentioned the record, which wasn't obviously what you wanted. And you guys lost the last seven, I think it was, to finish the season. And yet the roster stability. I, I guess when I look at that, I think it's darn near miraculous, right? You With a team that drops so many at the end, the record isn't great. And yet those guys are bought in. That's something very special. Well, I think, you know, when you really look at it and this is an excuse because the record is going to be the record and in 20 years, no one's going to ask how, how or why they're going to say that you're a 22. And, um, you know, we had just to, to be quite honest, Darius Simmons thought would be a really, really nice player for us. I think he was hitting his groove. He ends up breaking his hand, um, you know, four games into the conference season, which we were two and two when he was playing. And then all of a sudden we we proceed to go, you know, two and 12 down the stretch. Um, Josh Endicott, who we thought, you know, was our probably arguably top forward recruit average 10 and seven at North Florida. You know, he just never was healthy all year. He plays two games and he breaks his other ankle, comes back, breaks his thumb. And, and so to not have any stability there, I think, you know, down the stretch, yes, we did lose seven, but, but we were two and nine in games where it was one possession with four minutes to go. And obviously I've got to go to the clipboard. I got to go to the drawing board and figure out, you know, maybe what to do differently. But at the same time, I'm, I'm proud of our guys competing for 36 minutes. And I think, having the stability of those guys coming back, I think we take that jump and we, we really learn and know how to win close games, um, hopefully here next year. Uh, the OVC itself is changing quite a bit. Belmont gone, Murray is gone, Austin T is gone. 
uh, you bring in some new programs. Have you ever been able to even wrap your head around what the OVC will look like next year? I think so a little bit, but, um, you know, at the same time, we, we have so much to worry about and work on here that obviously, hey, we're, you know, we're, it's out of our hands. The, 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 the administrators and the, the, the conference officials are going to make decisions, hopefully in the best interest of our conference, and we trust them to do that. And, you know, I know I've uh, got to know those coaches a little bit at, at Lindenwood, Southern Indiana and Little Rock, and I think they're great additions. Um, I know that they're going to be very strong basketball. If it's not right away, it'll definitely be in time. So, um, you know, I, I do like the direction um, of bringing those those teams in. And I think, um, you know, for us, we're fired up to, to hopefully compete and take a take a much, much better jump at that, you know, top tier of the league. You, you talked about stability of who's coming back, but you guys have landed some really outstanding uh, recruits, signees, whatever the right word is. Uh, I want to start. I want to I want to finish with Parker. I want to talk about him a little bit. But a couple of junior college guys, a, a Division One guy, talk about your newcomers. I think they they look like they're going to really fit some needs. Well, I think so. Um, you know, we'll first talk about you know Jalen Myers, our, our junior college transfer. You know, he he was Region Player of the Year um, in Mississippi. You know, he he's six eight. He can dribble, pass, shoot, and well, yeah, that's what you do in basketball. But it's very rare <laughs> at this level you find a six eight guy that was Region Player of the Year that can do all those things and. Um, I think if you laid it all out and said, hey, who's got our greatest upside, um, you know, Jalen Myers is right there. And I think he'll contribute from day one. I, I really do. You know, he can play multiple positions. But I think his upside in basketball, I think in 10, 12 years here, we'll be saying, man, where'd that guy come from? Because um, he's a great kid. He works super hard. He's coachable and he's got a skill set. So I'm really excited to welcome Jalen. Obviously. I, I lost you, Ryan. I can see you, but I can't hear you. Nope. My speakers show they're working. There you go. Now you're back. But before you move on to the other three guys, you were talking about Myers. Um, MVP, in, I guess, in his league. And, uh, and then nationally ranked maybe in rebounding. Okay, he's a big guy. And free throw percentage, which is a little bit abnormal for a big guy as well. I mean, he's a unique talent. No doubt. Um, you know, he's, you shoot 90 plus percent as a six, eight guy. It shows that, Hey, I've got, I've got the hands to be able to shoot the basketball. And um, the one stat that does translate you hit on is rebounding rebound translates at every level. If you rebound in, in middle school, you'll rebound in high school, if you rebound in high school, you get to rebound in junior college mm -hmm. In junior college. You're going to do it at division one level. So for, for us, I, I do think long-term potential. I think, you know, he, he's a big get for us. Um, had been fortunate to coach a couple region player of the years in junior college, and, and they've all transpired to be all league players at the Division One hmm. uh, level for us. So excited about him. Comes from a basketball family. Great mom and dad. Uh, just really well put together and excited to welcome him um, to our family. So you might have been talking about Desmond Williams or Jordan Sears when, when the thing when uh, the mic went out. Tell me about Sears. Well, I think, you know, the, the thing is that uh, when people see recruiting, they always get excited when you sign big guys. Hey, what did, what, did you get a seven-footer? Did you sign? Well, we try to recruit really hard, uh, a lot of different positions. But at the end of the day, you know, guards win games. And yeah. we really felt like, um, you know, Kobe was going to be a good piece coming back. KJ's got some, obviously, some accolades and big-time ability. But we needed to really target guards that could come in and, and, and help us compete right away. So what we did is, you know, Jordan Sears comes from a winning program. He won 18 games at Gardner-Webb. Um, as a freshman, he shot 39% from three and averaged almost 10 a game. This year had a solid year, you know, averaged almost nine points per game. But what he does is he competes at a high level, uh, knows how to play basketball, 
unbelievable kid. Tried to recruit him really, really hard at Bethune-Cookman. He thought Gardner-Webb was a better opportunity. Um, so we got him on the rebound. But um, Jordan, like Dez, is coming from a winning program. You know, got major respect for, for Tim Kraft, Jeremy Luther, those guys up there. They know how to win. Um, and so as you kind of segue into to Dez Williams, it's another kid that, um, you know, came from Troy who won 20 games. You know, he, he uh, started 29 out of 32 games, shot 39% from threes, led them in, in threes made and, and three-point field goal percentage, and, you know, played the fourth most minutes on a, in a team that won 20 games in the Sun Belt. So although maybe not eye-popping stats of, of Jalen Myers, um, very important because they're targeted from, from winning Division I programs. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was all, I think the Parker Stewart return to UT Martin is one of the things I'm most excited about this coming college basketball season across 50 states, uh, 32 conferences, 350, whatever, 400, whatever players. Um, Parker Stewart at UTM. That, to me, that, that made me sing. You know, I was super excited about that. Talk about that. Well, I think it's it's obviously really special, um, you know, getting a chance to, to know him through the recruiting process and, and his family. And, um, you know, when I first took the job, you know, obviously I, I reached out to his mother and, you know, just want to introduce myself and just, you know, just give her a peace of mind that, hey, if there's anything we can do, um, you know, don't know what it could be. But if Parker needs to, you know, come to the gym or whatever, you know, whatever we could do from a from a basketball standpoint, from a UTM standpoint, hey, we're here to support and help you. And, um Obviously, as Parker decided that, hey, he may want to play an additional year, um, you had some conversation with him and, and it really wasn't too much basketball stuff at the beginning. It was just more so, you know, tell me about your experiences here and, and how things transpired and, um, you know, begin to share how close he was with his family and his, his, his mother, you know, his sister, his brother. And um, obviously got a chance to talk about his dad a little bit and, and kind of what it was like playing here for him. And, you know, as we started, you know, developing a relationship, I think it became very apparent, you know, how close his family dynamic was. And, you know, he had offers from, from all over the country, you know, all these big time universities and, and, you know, high major this and that. And um, the one thing is I, I knew we obviously had something different. That was his family here. And the thing about Parker is obviously he's going to come in. He's going to be a great player for us. There's, there's no doubt about that. He's done it in this league. He averaged 19 a game was all league. Um, but he is a great man. And I mean, when you talk about recruiting, young student athletes this this is a this is a young man that has his head on straight he has priorities um i'm excited for what he brings not just to our program but but back to our community to our younger guys um he's just been a joy to get to know and understand um you know more about his journey and, and hopefully capping this thing off the right way in remembrance of his his dad yeah i got to know his dad a little bit when he was there and, and interviewed him a handful of times and had such respect for anthony stewart and 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 then when that all happened, his dad passed away and then it made sense for him to go somewhere else just to be able to not be in that cauldron of everything else. Um, and so when I heard he was coming back, I thought this is just so perfect uh, for people that don't know an electric shooter handles the ball. Well, big guard at like about six, five and and uh, a, just a terrific player. And I know from good stock, I mean, his dad was such a he looked at college coaching as like I'm building a business. He came from a business background. And so he was very uh, analytical and straightforward. And uh, boy, I'm excited about him, his return there to UTM. Well, yeah, I think you said it, obviously, the, the, the player wise, he's got a chance to come in and be one of the most impactful players in the league. Um, I think him going away to Indiana 
you know, I think even enhanced him even more, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, it can really be it can really be good on both sides in our league. Um, but you said it, you know, I think what's really cool is is, you know, him and his dad's dream was to, to one day hang a banner in, in you know, the Elam Center. Hmm. And, um, you know, obviously I, I, I don't know. I didn't know Coach Stu great, but I knew enough that that he treated this profession as a ministry and, and his he is true belief was to give back to young people and try to get them to believe in something bigger than themselves and, and, and move on um, doing things they, they never thought imaginable. So to sit down and have the opportunity um, to be with Parker and, and potentially fulfill him and his, his dad's dream of doing something special at UT Martin. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool story. So you guys, uh, I think you guys can start working out again, mid, kind of mid June, something like that. Give us the, the calendar a little bit. And are you guys done? Do you need to bring any more players in? You know, we feel – I'll start with the, the recruiting part. We feel really good with our roster right now. You know, we've got 12 guys. We, we, we've turned eight. We signed four. Um, we'll, we'll be open to taking one, but it's got to be the right one. We just feel really strong about our culture and, and our talent level right now. Um, so never say never. You know, you, you feel good about it, but at the same time, there are certain scenarios that they would present themselves. But, um, you know, we, we're, we're going to go seven weeks in the summer. You're allowed to go eight. Um, I think it's really important for our guys to go home, get away from here in May. And then they're going to come back in, in June. We'll go four weeks um, of our allotted. We're allowed eight hours a week. We'll go four weeks uh, in June. And then we'll kind of give them that week of, of the 4th of July off where they can kind of stick around and go home. Um, they can be a college student. Uh, and then we'll bring them back for three, three weeks to finish out July. And then we'll send them home again in August and let them kind of have that two weeks uh, before we, you know, we, we hit it late August. They come here and all of a sudden, you know, it's mid, mid February before you realize it and, and uh, so we'll go seven weeks hard. Obviously, we're allowed to go eight, but, um, you know, feel good about the seven weeks in the summer. So I want to ask you about two acronyms, N-I-L-M-T-E. What kind of are you guys have you signed up for an MTE? Do you have an MTE coming this year? And then how do you guys navigate the NIL? How have you guys maybe instructed your players? Yep. So, so the, M, the MTE, um, those are always unique to me. Obviously you can go away and try to earn some money and, and play in some, some cool venues some some different teams, some different arenas. And then you've got your like MTEs um, where you're trying to play some more, you know, programs like yourself. And uh, for us, you know, it's funny you're asking about that because we thought we had one locked in and the way scheduling works um, kind of got one moved on us. So we're pursuing a different opportunity and, you know, we'll find the right one here. Uh, just, just trying to make sure that it, that it fits in with all of our scheduling stuff. And then, you know, to be honest with the, the NIL stuff, I mean, I'll be very transparent about it. I'm for it. I, I think it's very good for, for the student athletes. I think, um, you know, I, I'm not one that sits in that, that room and, and has those meetings about how we should go about it. And, and I can't pretend I have answers, um, but I'm excited for our guys to have the ability, um, you know, to, to have an opportunity to, to make money. And, um, you know, for us, it's more been about education. It's been about understanding how does this thing work? How does it how does it work at UT Martin? What can we best do to help provide our guys with with, um, you know, the necessary tools to be successful? And I'm sure, you know, as we get some more guidance from the NCAA and, um, you know, from from the decision makers, I'm sure we'll, we'll be better versed in it. But right now it's really just about education and understanding what does that mean for us going forward? Uh as we wrap up, I don't want to keep you super long. Um, coaches talk culture all the time. We're building this culture, our culture. In a sentence or two, how would you define the UT Martin culture? I think it's, I think it's a couple. It's very simple. It's family. It's love. Uh, it's something bigger than yourself. 
You know, we're a culture of work. And, you know, the, the, the word culture honestly has has been overplayed or been, you know, uh, demeaned in a certain way that, well, you know what, I disagree. Um, you know, my dad's a college coach, has been in it for over 30 years. And, and that word culture, I, I remember from 1992. And all of a sudden it became like a buzzword. And mm-hmm. you know, we have all these different things like college basketball is college basketball, Harry. Yes. Has it changed? Has it evolved? Do you shoot the ball from three? Do you? Yes. But, you know, the culture is still very important to us. We're going to wake up every day. We're going to be humble. We're going to be servant leaders. We're going to treat our kids right. We're going to coach them hard. We're going to tell them the truth. We're going to love them. And then we're going to hope to win some basketball games. And I think through all that, um, has, has college basketball turned into a little bit of a business? Absolutely. I'm not afraid to admit that. But it doesn't mean that you still can't treat people the right way and, and have a great culture of work and family um, and, and seeing the picture that's bigger than yourself. So to me, I know it's kind of long winded, but that's what culture means to me. And I'm not afraid to sit here and say it's important to our program. Well, it's so critical, right? Because you guys are together so long and so many hours and so many weeks and so many days and travel and, and everything else. If, if it's not, I don't know, fun, enjoyable, uh, committed, you know, heart to heart, heart, you know, life to life, it, it could be quite a drudgery, I imagine. Well, I think it's the, the, the fact of the matter is, and I've hit on it, we, we weren't as successful as we wanted to be on the court. And so, I, I haven't met a lot of people that have said, hey, man, our culture is great when you're losing. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you this, um, our culture is sustainable. You know, we, we, we return eight of 11. Th- those, those guys didn't quit, although we lost our last seven. Um, they came in every day with a work ethic on fire to get better. And so for people that don't believe in, in culture or think it's a buzzword or it's overplayed, um, I disagree. You know, I think we, we had a good culture. We just didn't, didn't put enough pieces together to win games. And, and I have every bit of confidence that, that we'll get there. Um, sooner than later. Final thought, your dad was a coach. You worked for him and and all of that. Uh, Two or three major things. Uh, I was at, you know, we just had Mother's Day, right? And both of my parents are gone. And so we went to the grave site, put flowers on my mom's grave. You know, well, they share a grave, but, you know, um, and I think about my mom and my dad every day. And uh, and I just wonder what kind of uh, life slash coaching lessons you learned from Steve Ritter. You're going to hear this word. It's called real. real right? So he is about real relationships, real relationships, not transactional. They're transformational. Hmm. And for me, I think everything that you do, it, it, it's got to be real. It's got to be um, life is about relationships, relationships in your faith, your family, your friends. I mean, that's that's how life works. And I think people know the difference between genuine and fake. And so for us, you know, my dad's as real as it gets. He wakes up at, I don't know. 4 15 in the morning he's fired up you don't take the trash out the right way he's gonna let you know that wasn't good enough and yet at the same time you almost he's getting on you but you almost feel bad because you know he just cares so much about you and he just wants you to be your best um so you know for for me between him and my mom it's it's a bit how do you impact people in a positive manner and i've been lucky to use basketball as, as a vehicle and you know the game's changing the, the the profession is changing but i don't think that has to change um the way you approach um at least at least at ut martin right now that's Ryan Ritter. He's the second year coach at UT Martin and uh, they're building uh, things a perfect way. Listen, I was talking to a coach the other day, uh, one of those new coaches that's coming in your league. And the guy said to me, he said, who, who besides the obvious people that we've heard of, of course, Belmont Murray, they're leaving. He said, who, who do you think is going to be successful? And I said, I think Ryan Ritter at UT Martin, I think they're going to be successful. And he said, I've had two or three other people tell me that. So people are always start, already starting to pay attention to, to know that you guys are building in the right direction. So super excited about what you guys are doing and, and where you're headed and wish you all the best.
thank you so much for, for taking time. Always enjoy talking with you. That's Ryan Ritter, head coach of the UT Martin Skyhawks. They're going to be really fun to watch this year. I'm Harry Schrader. Thanks for watching the podcast today. Remember, since you've been there, make it a better place. We'll see you again real soon. Ryan, thank you so much. Let me hit this recording thing. Stop.